How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mike Bouchard, host of the uh, Night Stalker podcast. This is episode 11. It's entitled uh, Special Agent James Reich. The reason I'm doing this episode um, is to clear up a lot of controversy around Special Agent uh, Reich. Uh, Special Agent Reich was lead investigator during the disappearance of uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin from the Great Smoky Mountain National Park on June 14th. 1969. Over the years, there has been a lot of conspiracy theories uh, surrounding uh, Agent Reich. The biggest uh, seems to gravitate around his uh, suicide on uh, January 24th of 1973. Um, A lot of these misrepresentations of the fact even during the fact, during the uh, search, um, were really made public by uh, media personalities such as uh, Art Bell, George Norrie, George Knapp, and uh, Dave Pilatus. They had made... James Reich seemed to, or what they try to do is they try to infer by their statements that the suicide in 1973 was a direct result of either mishandling uh, the search and rescue attempt in 1969 um, or for some other uh, invalid reasons. The fact of the matter is, if you look on any online source or podcast, there seems to be this unknown aura of why Agent Reich had committed suicide. And I am maybe one of very few people that have actual personal knowledge. Uh, I spoke with family members. Um, I have a lot of personal knowledge about uh, Mr. Reich. A lot of it in my book, uh, The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin. Uh, a lot of the information I didn't put down for the simple reason that in The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin, The objective was to find material or answers to what happened during the disappearance, the search and rescue, the disappearance itself, the possible outcomes, and so on and so forth. Uh, It did not have to deal with um, solely around uh, James Reich. For a lot of you people who don't know, James Reich... He was the field advisor for the FBI uh, at the the search scene. The FBI only entered the the disappearance, the missing person, lost person, 
Uh, they, they entered that um, case on June 18th, 69, at the request of the um, <clears throat> National Park Service. And the reason the Park Service actually contacted the FBI wasn't that they wanted their assistance, but it was because they didn't want it to look like one federal agency was thumbing its nose at the other. It was done for a status purpose, uh, play nice in the sandbox feeling, but it had nothing to do with really the necessity of the FBI to be there because you have to believe that the, a lost person is not a criminal case, therefore the FBI would not really have a reason to be there. Um, so that's one thing that people have to understand. The FBI didn't come in and take the case over. The FBI had been requested to come in by the National Park Service. Um, a lot of this information concerning the FBI uh, and their interviews with people can be found in my book, which you can find on Amazon. My writer's name is Michael C. Bouchard, not Mike Bouchard like I use it. Um, James Reich joined, well, let's start even earlier than that. James Reich was born in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1918. Uh, he had attended the University of Tennessee, was an exceptional football player, had been inducted by the uh, NFL, and he played one year uh, for the Detroit Lions. After playing that one year, in, in 1940, he was actually, uh, they actually played at the Rose Bowl. And after that, he simply left uh, a career in football. And as his son told me, his father had been so good that he could have played for anybody he wanted to. Um, he just didn't want to play ball. At the same time, while in the university, he was also heavily involved in the ROTC, or military program. Um, he had also done exceptionally well in that. But there came a point in his life where he didn't want to be involved in uh, football, not as a profession anyway, or involved in military. So in 1940, he applied for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or the FBI. He was hired. Uh, I looked at his grade transcripts. They weren't exceptionally high grades. I mean, you know, he was average. But for somebody that had average grades... James Reich was involved in investigations that were high-profile investigations. The civil, uh, the civil rights murder of the three uh, civil rights uh, individuals that were down in Mississippi. Mississippi burning, that's where the movie came from. He was involved in that uh, investigation. The 1950 uh, Brinks Armored Car robbery in um, Massachusetts, and the uh, president of one of the unions, Jablonski, 
in Pennsylvania, his homicide. So by no means was James Reich a average FBI agent. He possessed some talent, maybe not on an academic scale, but on an investigative scale that was way beyond the average agent. And you have to realize that. Um, there were a lot of suggestions by, and like I said, uh, Art Bell, George Norrie, George Knapp, and uh, Dave Pilatus. And as I and as I refer to these people, I refer to them as used car salesmen because they're not out to promote the truth or investigate crimes. They're there to make money on bolstered books that people like things that are mysterious. They like things that are thrilling. They like this kind of stuff. However, there was nothing about the Dennis Lloyd Martin case that was any of the above. As a matter of fact, it was a tragic case. A seven-year-old boy walks into the woods uh, and is never found again. No trace of him ever found. And here we are 50-something years later. Um, a James Reich as what a lot of people don't realize was James Reich was not the lead investigator in the case. James Reich was the field supervisor. The lead investigator of the case was uh, Wallace Estel. And both Wallace and um, James were out of the uh, Knoxville uh, office of the FBI. Um Agent Reich was the the feet on the ground, the boots on the ground uh, guy. So, but there had been a lot of suspicions and uh, that uh, Mr. Reich had uh, killed himself, or uh, that's a bad term, uh, committed suicide uh, because he he mishandled the case, he uh, made mistakes, and uh, that, that was that was not that was not the truth. Um, some background about Agent Reich that a lot of people don't know. Uh, Agent Reich's first assignment was at the White House in Washington, D.C. in 1941. He was the lead security person for the uh, Japanese uh, ambassador. And while he was in that position, we uh, Pearl Harbor occurred. And his son told me that when his father went out and saw some of the, the ambassadors and other uh, Japanese uh, representatives laughing, he got so enraged that he had to leave the building. So, you know, these are personal things that people don't realize. I mean, we look at James Reich as just a, there's not even any, the only picture of James Reich so far as an FBI agent, may occur in some old newspaper article, which I doubt because I've, I've gone through them, or the one in my uh, book, The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin. Uh, and that that was actually that was actually a picture for his FBI uh, ID, which was sent to me by the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, probably the only F, uh, FOI request I've asked for and I got from these those people. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said 
about Agent Reich, you know, he wasn't a very big fan of uh, uh, Hoover. Uh, he always had his suspicions about Hoover's sexual orientation. He always um, didn't like the way Hoover managed things. And um, Hoover had gone on a, a diet and decided that he wanted all of his agents to be the same weight they were when they were a senior in high school, which obviously uh, Agent Reich wasn't going to be able to do. As a matter of fact, his, his son said that he had put a lot of different type of medic medications to uh, reduce his eating, reduce the weight, um, and he was actually threatened uh, to be transferred out to Oklahoma. But James Reich's uh, friend, uh, Cartha de, uh, de, uh, Deloche, was Hoover's right-hand man. Deloche was actually considered the brains of the FBI at the time. It wasn't Hoover, make, Hoover making these decisions or strategies. It was actually... Uh, uh, Deloche making them. So, I guess Hoover didn't want to upset Deloche, so he let Reich stay in the Knoxville office. There was also another reason, uh, like Deloche said, because he was able to speak the language. And what that meant was, you know, back then, probably similar to now, when you're in the area of the South, and people aren't familiar with you, they're not going to talk to you. It's as simple as that. It's not a mystery. It's not any any uh, anything that you can't understand. But that's how it was. Now, let's just go on to uh, Dave Pilatus's statements about uh, you know the FBI not being able to handle all the disappearances in the state, uh, in the National Park Services, this, that, and the other thing. Um, here's the problem. You know, when you cluster all of these disappearances up, you have to remember there's a timeline. When you have a timeline of 30 years, the probability of it being crimes like that being linked to each other are far and few between. If the disappearances all occurred within a couple of years, okay, I'd say, yeah, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But these weren't. These were, you know... You have to remember, National Park Service, if you're you're including all of the land and all the disappearances, the park the park, National Park Service owns fifty two point two million acres. You can just walk into some of those woods and disappear and you're never gonna be found again. Another interesting thing was <clears throat> if you um, go into some of Pilatus's uh, statements he reports that in, prior to the disappearance, a, uh, a ranger was attacked by a wild man, as he termed it. The term wild man first was, uh, in the Dennis Martin case, was uh, was a term used by uh, Dave Pilatus, not anyone else. Uh, I checked the records. 
the injury records from 67 to 69, there were no reported injuries. No ranger was almost killed. No ranger was assaulted by a homeless vagrant or, therefore, wild man. Okay? Uh, so that term, wild man, was, uh, you know, another character developed to enhance, bolster stories. Um, when I had talked to uh, the ranger, Dwight McCarter, who was uh, involved in the search and rescue, uh, rescue, and I told him about this wild man, Terry, he laughed at me. Um, because I said, you know, it, there was a mention that he, this wild man was wearing animal skin clothing, this, that, and the other thing, and he just laughed at me. Um, <clears throat> he had no knowledge of it. Uh, he thought it was humorous at best, and that's, that's where he left it. So, uh, that's where I left it. He left it, I left it, we both left it. Um, as far as the individuals, uh, the two individuals that had gone to the chief ranger's house, uh, which is always unknown because, uh, you know, they never gave the names, but the, the two rangers, uh, I meant not the two rangers, excuse me, the two uh, FBI agents that went down to uh, Widemere's house, who was the chief ranger at the time, and interviewed him, uh, or and went with him to uh, the park to see where uh, the incident at Rowan Creek happened. That was that was a FBI agent uh, officer in charge, um, Wallace Estel and uh, Jim Reich. So there's no mystery in who those two people were. Of course, unless you haven't read my book, I guess it is a mystery, but. Unfortunately, at the time, I wanted to talk to uh, Widemere, but uh, at the time of my interview, he was uh, 89 years old, and he was having uh, issues recalling things, memory loss, and all of that stuff. So I didn't really uh, really get a chance to interview him, although I did interview Bernard Keyes, the one and only witness of suspicious activity there. Um, another non-fan of Agent Reichs was uh, Dennis Martin's father, uh, Bill Martin, William Martin. Um, he believed that there was some type of conspiracy going on because the FBI failed to notify him about certain things that were going on in the case that um, they didn't make him aware of. Well, anyone that's familiar with how law enforcement works, uh, so when an investigation is being done, civilians, unless they're being interviewed or are uh, professional witnesses or something, are not taken to a, a crime scene. Information, you know, that's taken in by the FBI is not given unless it has some some reason to be given. To it wouldn't have been given to the National Park Service Rangers because at that time they weren't law enforcement. Even today, it probably wouldn't be given to them because they're not part of the FBI. Uh, it wouldn't have been given to the local police, sheriffs, state police, or whoever, because, again, they're not part of the FBI, and the FBI is very stingy on information. So there was no conspiracy there. And the main reason that uh, Bill Martin wasn't given this information was simply because of the fact that they were concerned that he would 
get involved or, or contaminate information or spread false information uh, on stories that weren't factual. And the FBI didn't want that. They had that, you know, um, it's bad enough trying to find a seven-year-old that's been missing for weeks. It's, it's, it makes it harder when there's uh, information that's involved in, in a case that uh, isn't accurate. So there was no conspiracy there, although uh, Bill Martin thought there was, there wasn't. Um, the information I had talked to um, Mrs. Martin, uh, the same year the book came out, and I had asked her if Dave Pilates ever just walked up to the house and began to interview uh, Bill Martin, like uh, was reported in one of the, I, I believe it was Coast to Coast. And she said she had no knowledge of who he was, and she did not believe he ever came to the house, and she knew for a fact her son, her husband, uh, Bill at the time would not have given an interview anyway. So take that for what it's worth. That's coming from the mouth of Dennis's mother and the person that lived at the house and, her, you know, her husband. So um, I would seem to find that more factual and, you know, uh, random, random, random information. Okay. So you see where I'm going with this. I mean, a lot of these... A lot of these facts involving uh, James Wright are incorrect. You know, um, uh, I have a line in my book that says, Miss, uh, Mr. This is uh, referring to Dave Play, is reported in an interview with William Martin, the interview that probably didn't take place, that Mr. Martin said that the lead investigator. Uh, Special Agent Wright committed suicide. Martin's statement to play suggested that Wright's suicide resulted from guilt over mishandling uh, of his son's disappearance. Exceptionally not true. Um, none of that's true. That's just, that's not how it happened. Um, I will... And the Martin family contact at the time wasn't really, except for on the site itself, wasn't really um, James Reich. It was uh, Wallace Estel. So he was the, he was the uh, SAC, you know, the special agent in charge at the time. Uh, he had been transferred to the um, Knoxville office in March of '66. And his, he basically oversaw kidnappings, robberies, um, and that type of stuff. Um, an another one, um, he also joined, he joined a couple of years after Reich, January 5th, 42, uh, passed away in July 10th of 2010. But I will give you just kind of a... A quick overview before we get into the final part of this, and this is a uh, this is this is a uh, obituary thing that came from the, the Tennessee of Nashville. It basically says FBI transfer. Okay, this is actually a different one. He, he gets transferred to another location. Um, 
but basically on uh, it basically says on Tuesday, January day of twenty third. I have it as the twenty fourth. James H. Wright, age fifty four, died at his home from a self uh, inflicted gunshot wound. Police said James Reich retired in June of 72 after serving 26 years at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And that's all I put down. But the facts that aren't known and the facts that some of the facts I'm not going to tell you is that you have to remember, the man spent 26 years <clears throat> as an FBI agent. He lived and he breathed um, FBI. That's, that's what he did. He lived and breathed FBI every day for 26 years. Um, he retires. He has no hobbies, according to his son. So no hobbies and your mind can get lost in a, in, in a big void. Uh, the family has um, throughout the uh, lineage of the family, cases of uh, depression, um, you know, you have alcohol involved to some extent, maybe not a great extent, but some extent, another depressant, um, and things happen. You know, uh, there's a lot of information that I was I was given that I'm not going to put in, in this this podcast because although it it would heighten and make the story a lot more, I don't know what do you want to say, mysterious. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here to um, do that. I'm here to reach out to you and let you know that <clears throat> James Reich's um, suicide had nothing to do with um, nothing to do with uh, mishandling of any case. Uh, had nothing to do with anything that um, Bill Martin said. It had nothing to do with. Anything Dave Pilatus said, it had nothing to do with anything that anyone said. So, take that as you will. Uh, And when I was reading the obituaries, I'm not sure exactly how to reference the word. It it basically said uh, he was survived by the widow, comma, Former Miss um, Elizabeth Reich. So, in the interim, if if I'm understanding the term, the terminology, and the statement, uh, it could also be that at that time he was uh, he was uh, could have been involved in separating. It's it's hard to tell. Uh, because it wasn't a really defined um, defined type of uh, statement, but take it for what it's worth. Again, as I tell you, it, it had nothing to do with his misrepresentation of any case. As a matter of fact, they probably couldn't have picked a better person to handle the case than uh, James Reich, and that's how it is. And, you know, I've been around the law enforcement field a long time, uh, so, you know, when things go wrong for different reasons, there's actually an interesting article 
It says FBI transfer agent here to Tennessee, James H. Wright, to go uh, to home state late next week. James H. Wright, agent assigned to the Battle Creek area uh, for the last three and a half years, is packing household belongings this week, uh, preparing to move late next week to Chattanooga, Tennessee. The raw team transfer from the uh, jurisdiction of the Michigan office at the Michigan Detroit office uh, to Tennessee uh, at Knoxville will take Mr. Wright back to home pastures. His home uh, is near Memphis, and Mrs. Wright is from Knoxville, where uh, he stayed as a football player with the Tennessee uh, Volunteers a few years ago. Uh, an all-southern central, uh, well, he, this older terminology they use in these newspapers are, are horrible. Uh, Mr. Mr. Wright uh, participated in two of the uh, important uh, international games while in the college, the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl uh, in 38 and 39. Uh, his statement was, we beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl battle. You recall today, but uh, Southern California took us in, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, stationed here during much of uh, the war period in one of the uh, state's most important uh, military and industrial centers. Mr. Reich uh, commented on the uh, unusual record established in the district. There were no acts of sabotage, he said, and no un-American activists. In fact, we had no serious trouble here throughout the war time. Mr. Reich said he wished to thank other law enforcement agencies for the uh, splendid cooperation given given me uh through my stay here, he said there's no request for help hadn't been, had ever been rejected. Uh, moving with Mr. and Mrs. Wright back to their Tennessee home will be their two daughters, Anne and Joan. And he also has a son um, who is James H. Wright Jr. So... Suffice it to say, at the end of this, end of this, you start to understand more about James Reich. You know, James Reich was no different than you and I. He had a a talent for investigating things. Uh, he had a talent for solving cases that most people were not able to solve. Uh, therefore, any of this information that comes out of the um, online sources, podcasts, media sources, uh, suggesting any type of uh, conspiracy theory in, involving James Reich or the FBI, uh, it's just frivolous. It's, it's, it's not correct. It's inaccurate. So I'm not going to tell you who to believe, but um, the fact is James H. Reich had never been anything but a an honest, a hardworking FBI agent, you know. And in 1973, the FBI, whether retired or not retired, lost a good man, as well as the state of uh, Tennessee. And in closing. I'll just say episode 
number 12 will be coming up, and it'll be called Cop Stories. Um, and we will see you then.